brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Good afternoon, right-minded family. Welcome, folks, to another episode of Right-Minded with Matt Curran. I'm your host, you guessed it correctly, Matt Curran. Email if you want to be on the podcast, or just give me some questions, comments, concerns, or theological insights. It's right-minded. Podcast at gmail.com. That's right, minded podcast at gmail.com. Folks, uh, we've got a we've got a good amount of topics here today. We've got some uh, interesting comments from Bill Maher. I I know Bill Maher is not politically ideologic. Uh, he's not he's not aligned with our belief system on the conservative side, but he does hold his own side, the left, accountable for things. And I found a fascinating clip of him in recent days. It's been all over the news. You might have already seen it. It doesn't really swirl in conservative media. So if you're in conservative media, you get to hear something new if that's all you listen to. But Bill Maher holds his own side of cannibals. There's, it's, it's a fascinating mindset of these modern Democrats and the way they think. And another modern Democrat that we're going to be talking about is uh, Joe Manchin, Senator West Virginia. Will he switch to the Republican Party and give Mitchie McConnell, the turtle, the great greamer of the Senate, the majority back? Will he do that? We've also got uh, on the topic today uh, Benjamin Netanyahu outs as Israel's prime minister. Uh, we've also got Vice President 
vice president. I don't know if you want to say President Harris or Vice President Harris, but Vice President Harris is is on her get the shot vaccine in the South because the South is the problem. The South is the reason why all the cases are still up. So she stopped in the number one place that has the highest cases in the country, but also some one of the lowest death counts in the country. They never mentioned that. And uh, also has the lowest um, vaccination rate in the country. Fully vaccinated people. And that would be none other than the place that this is broadcasting from. Greenville, South Carolina. So we'll have that on dock. And then we'll also talk about the great um, 15% minimum tax that President Joseph Robinette Jr. Biden the ninth wants to place on with uh, the the G7 summit and the European Union onto everybody and how that's a terrible idea economically. And then last but not least, Texas and Arizona enter into a compact for the border wall to build their own border wall. What kind of implications is that going to have? So that's what's on the dock today. We'll uh we'll give you we'll give you the rundown. We know it's been a while. Uh let's see. Last week Last week I had I had to work. I had to go overnight to I mean again I can't tell you what I do for a living here. But I had to go on a overnight immediately the next morning because I know we post these things either between Sunday or Monday, one of those two is when we generally post. We try to do it around once a week. It's not the goal for me is always to do it Sunday night, but sometimes I miss and I'll do it Monday night. But I had to get sleep because I had a four or five hour drive uh the next Monday morning, like waking up bright and early and which I usually do anyway for a workout, right? But like needed rest to be able to drive this far. And then I was overnight for like three or four nights. And that by the time I got back, I thought it, that's when I did the Wednesday one. And now we're back again. So it's it's sort of a short short period. I, I guess it just feels like a while. I feel like I, I I totally just forgot I did one on this last Wednesday. But it just it just feels like I haven't done this in a long time. Um, and so now I'm kind of back at a routine and we're going to try to keep it that way. So we'll, we'll get started. We got one clip. We got the Bill Maher clip. We'll tee it off with that. And then from there, that'll lead me into a good transition into the Joe Manchin potentially switching party. So the Bill Maher clip is eight, uh, nine minutes long. He's on a segment. You'll you'll either agree or disagree with some of what he says, but the main point the you'll disagree with some of the details if you're conservative, but the overall arching point that Bill Maher is trying to get across, you will agree with. You will agree with the in the overall arching point. So here it is in three, a two, a one. And finally, new rule from now on: when Joe Biden veers off into one of his long-winded stories that seem to be off-topic, everyone must realize. He usually does have a point. But those of you who are over 50, how often did you ever see, how often did you ever see advertisements on television with black and white couples? Not a joke. I challenge you, find today when you turn on the stations, sit on one station for two hours, and I don't know how many commercials you'll see, lay eight to five, two to three out of five, have mixed race couples in them. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you. I know it sounds kind of out of left field, but actually, Uncle Joe is pointing liberals towards something they need to be more aware of. They have a bad case of progressive phobia. 
That's the phrase coined by Steven Pinker to describe a brain disorder that strikes liberals and makes them incapable of recognizing progress. It's like situational blindness, only what you can't see is that your dorm in 2021 is better than the South before the Civil War. If you think America is more racist now than ever, more sexist than before women could vote, and more homophobic than when blowjobs were a felony, you have progressophobia and should adjust your mask because it's covering your eyes. You know, before, before 2012, every time gay marriage was put before a state's voters, it lost. 35 times in a row. Now it's the law of the land in every state. Even half of Republicans are for it. The other half are for closeted gay sex. <laughs> the chant from gay protesters used to be, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. Well, we did. This is Pride Month, and it's not even a big deal anymore. 30 days of parades and festivals celebrating a cause that was once so divisive, Ellen had to pretend to be straight. <laughs> State houses fly Pride flags now. Disney celebrates it. By federal law, every single TV show must include a storyline about lesbians having a baby. If someone announces they're gay on TV, it's met with thunderous applause. My accountant says, Yaz Queen. <laughs> you literally can't find a major American corporation that doesn't do something for Pride Month. NASCAR does it. Raytheon, maker of high-tech lethal weaponry that kills people from the sky, does it. And I hear next year they're going to paint You Go Girl on the side of their missile. <laughs> It's not just LGBT issues. Not that long ago, I knew people who went to prison for growing pot. And today you can legally smoke it for fun in 43% of the country, and I will. <laughs> Even something like bullying, it still happens. But being outwardly cruel to people who are different is no longer acceptable. That's progress. And acknowledging progress isn't saying we're done or we don't need more. And being gloomier doesn't make you a better person. In 1958, only 4% of Americans approved of interracial marriage. Now, Gallup doesn't even bother asking. The last time they did in 2013, 87% approved. An overwhelming majority of Americans now say they want to live in a multiracial neighborhood. That is a sea change from when I was a kid. In a country that's 14% black, 18% of the incoming class of Harvard is black. And since 2017, white students are not even a majority in our public colleges. Employees of color make up 47% of Microsoft, 50% of Target, 55% of The Gap, as companies become desperate to look like their TV commercials. <laughs> The, uh, the Friends reunion we just had looked weird. Because if you even suggested a show today about six people, all of whom were straight and white, the network would laugh you out of the room and then cancel you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And yet there is a recurrent theme on the far left that things have never been worse. Kevin Hart expressed a view many hold when he told the New York Times, you're witnessing white power and white privilege at an all-time high. This is one of the big problems with wokeness, that what you say doesn't have to make sense or jibe with the facts or ever be challenged, lest the challenge itself be conflated with racism. But saying white power and privilege is at an all-time high is just ridiculous. Higher than a century ago, the year of the Tulsa race massacre? Higher than the years when the KKK rode unchecked and Jim Crow went unchallenged? Higher than the 1960s when the Supremes and Willie Mays still couldn't stay in the same hotel as the white people they were working with? Higher than during slavery? And I mean actual slavery, not Prince doesn't like his record contract slavery. <laughs> Racism is still, unfortunately, still with us. We have the footage in policing, housing, job discrimination, segregated schools, wealth inequality. The legacy of injustice sadly lives on and demands remedial action. I understand, as best I can, how racism singes a person's soul so much that they might see it everywhere. But seeing clearly is necessary for actually fixing problems. And clearly, racism is simply no longer everywhere. It's not in my home, and it probably isn't in yours, if I read my audience right, and I think I do. For most of the country, the most unhip thing you could ever be today is a racist. Even Derek Chauvin was not backed up by his fellow officers, and that never used to happen. The low point of race relations wasn't Kim Kardashian wearing cornrows, <laughs> even though it happened on Snapchat and George Wallace standing in a doorway didn't. Because here's the thing, kids. There actually was a world before you got here. For those of you who didn't see, that's he played a picture of two kids on there and blew their heads up. A.K.A. just blew their minds. We date human events, A.D. and B.C., but we need a third marker for millennials and Gen Z. B.Y., before you. (laughs) It's telling that in a recent Harvard youth poll of Americans between 18 and 29, 72% of blacks said they were hopeful about the future of America as compared to only 46% of whites. I'm not surprised. There are a hell of a lot of Americans trying really hard these days to embrace a new spirit of inclusion and self-reflection, and this progressive allergy to acknowledging societal advances is self-defeating because progress and hope that we can achieve it is the product we're selling. And having a warped view of reality leads to policies that are warped, Black-only dorms and graduation ceremonies, a growing belief in whiteness as a malady and white people as irredeemable, giving up on a colorblind society. Only if you believe we've made no progress does any of that make sense. I can name some things that actually are worse than they've ever been before, like the environment and homelessness in L.A. and the prospects for maintaining an actual democracy in America. But where progress has been made, it's not a sin. And it's certainly not inaccurate to say, we've come a long way, baby. Not mission accomplished, just a long way. 
So, Bill Maher's one of those old-school Democrats who think that, yes, the progressives here, I mean, you, you just heard him shaming the progressive party for being too woke, for being too shaming, for taking it too far. I mean, for God's sakes, the left doesn't sit there and celebrate any of their wins. I mean, no, no, I, you know what, Bill Maher doesn't understand this. They do celebrate their wins. They do celebrate their wins. But they keep marching forward and they want to ram things down your throat more. But Bill Maher has a very interesting point here, which is the left doesn't really have a vision or objective goal other than wanting to defeat conservatism in one sense. And, and and they're taking you down this deep path. I mean, he laid, the the way Bill Maher laid out the history and called out Kevin Hart's, you know, th- th- we, you know, right now white privilege is at an all time high. Bill Maher sitting here going BS. Everybody can look around and see that there's no racism in my house. There's no racism in your house. Some of the comments that he says that he said during this holds true, but he's an old school Democrat on the basis of the. Uh, of that he doesn't have that kind of thinking. He doesn't think. He doesn't think that we should be heading towards this this Marxist thing, that we should be ramming things down conservative conservative throat, that we should be working with people. And he doesn't believe that all of America is racist. He didn't touch on it, because I don't think Bill Maher is as brave as he seems. But I have a feeling Bill Maher is not in favor of this critical race theory crap that talks about white people how white people have intrinsic guilt from the moment they're born in this country because they're born out of privilege. I don't think Bill Maher's I don't I don't think Bill Maher believes in this. Now keep in mind his audience is for the most part leaning left. He's holding on to these these moderate conservatives or I mean excuse me these moderate liberals. And so he has to paint a different picture than would conservative media who are on the medium the moderate right. So, uh, you know, you don't you don't play all your cards in full theory, but I don't think Bill Maher's in favor of this stuff. Now, I if if I had to guess what Bill Maher's official views were, if he were to sit here and, and I would ask him, he'd probably say yes, I'm in favor of gay marriage, right? Typical moderate left stuff. But I'm not in favor of all this transgender stuff. In fact, you can actually go back and play the clip or uh, different clips. He's not in favor of boys transitioning to girls and then playing in girls' sports. He thinks that's nonsense. I would say Bill Maher's a little bit more uh, level-headed, a level-headed liberal, as for as level-headed as a liberal can get for today. He's more open-minded, doesn't scream in your face, doesn't call you names, doesn't join. I mean, he's called out Antifa and BLM, but to be fair, uh, he he believes in January 6th and all that jazz uh, being some sort of, uh, some sort of, you know, people call it an attack on the Capitol. You know, and, and frankly, in my opinion, that January 6th thing, it seemed like a bunch of drunk dudes that just walked right in and there were no police presence and they did a bunch of stupid stuff. And, that, and that's just my honest opinion on January 6th. But, he, you know, so he buys some of the left's arguments. But for some people, Bill Maher's a waking up point. Believe it or not. If you're on, if you're one of those AOC, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez's, the Elon Omars. I mean, they'll go, they'll go after Bill Maher. They'll attack him, but you won't ever really see much of it in the right wing media. And sometimes you'll see his name pop up in right wing media, but only when he's taking it too far to the right, and the left has to attack him, 
And Bill Maher doesn't ever walk back his comments. That's the cool thing. So he's 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 a different kind of liberal. And I respect him for it because at least he walks through in his mind a logical conclusion that that brings us to I mean I mean for God's sake he, he, the first thing he started off with was making fun of Joe Biden saying a bunch of crazy stuff. That's what started this whole segment. So so I and and he was he's been making fun of Biden the whole time. And I that's why I think he's very level headed. And uh, fascinating to listen to. Now, switching this over to another moderate Democrat, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin is pretty much one of the few, like I think there's like two moderate Democrats in the Senate that is holding on to a thread right now for not passing the civil rights. Or it's not even civil rights. I hate saying it. This Democrat takeover of voting rights uh, bill and the filibuster and, and getting rid of that. Now, keep in mind, every president wants to get rid of the filibuster and the senate always says no why because they want to ram their stuff through donald trump wanted to get rid of the filibuster and democrat it wasn't but two or four years ago democrats were jumping up and down essentially saying no no that's racist you can't get up get out you know you can't get rid of the filibuster what about uh you know you know, what about respect of democracy and the Republican, blah, 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 blah. I guarantee to you, if the Democrats get rid of the filibuster, the moment a Republican trifecta comes into place, that Republicans have White House, House, and Senate, Democrats are going to be begging and saying that it's a Republican's obligations to bring back the filibuster. That's ultimately what will happen. And I don't think Republicans will buy it initially. But a couple cycles down the road, Democrats and Republicans keep flipping. The Republicans will eventually cave at some future majority in like 2034 and say, you know what, we, we in, uh, in the good spirit of, uh, of the Senate and reinstituting the good old days, uh, we as Republicans will bring the Senate together and, and, and reinstate the filibuster and give our Democratic colleagues across the aisle more power in the minority, and then when we're in the minority, they too will keep the filibuster, and then from there we'll see if the Democrats keep their word on it. But that's that's decades down the road. I think at some point, the way both parties, have, especially with the Trump-esque party on the Republican side, Excuse me. On the Republican side, they really somebody is going to crack and get rid of the filibuster. I think if it when if and when it does happen, it will be the Democrats first. You have more institutionalists, more uh, respect for the Senate on the Republican side than you do the Democrat side. But Joe Manchin really should consider switching parties. He narrowly lost or narrowly won in his reelection for West Virginia. Uh, re-election back in 2018. He's up for re-election in 2024. <clears throat> and and this is Trump's biggest state that he won by a margin. Trump wins it by 37 points in 2016. Campaigned hard against Joe Manchin, although Joe Manchin's had pretty much split opponents that were kind of iffy when they weren't the best recruited candidates from the Trump campaign or, or the RNC, in my opinion. Um, I think both Trump camp and the establishment camp of the wing party did a horrible job finding a candidate. Uh, one that was rigged in, I, I won't get too much into it. There was different scandals and stuff, but Manchin still barely pulled off the win. And he's Joe Manchin's probably the only electable Democrat in West Virginia. 
And so he's looking at 2024 going, gosh, man, if I vote, if, if you know, if I vote in the field bus, if I do one, if I make one small move, I'm not going to be able to get reelected in 2024. And that, and that's what he wants to ultimately do. In fact, let me look up here. How, how old is Joe Manchin? Does Joe Manchin have it in him to get reelected in 2024, for example, like does he turn 80? Is it something he cares that much about? Joe Manchin is 73 years old. To add another four years to that, Joe Manchin will be 77. So he could fulfill one more term after that. But he's also a true West Virginian. I mean, this man has been a Democrat for his entire life, having worked in West Virginia politics being the secretary of state and then the governor and then um you know now senator this man has been a west virginian for life <coughs> that's why and he's an old school democrat so he believes in the institutions however the democrat party is leaving him if you won't if you don't remember it wasn't about three years ago that the governor of west virginia who's now up for re-election this up this year was last elected as a democrat and switched parties to republican and you had Republic or Democrat congressmen in West Virginia. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Switch party to Republican. They went from the majority to the minority. So we, you don't really have a whole lot of instances now where people are going from Republican to Democrat. They're all switching to Republican. And I think, I think Joe Manchin, after this midterm, will, if I had to make a prediction, he's not going to switch before the 2022 midterms. He's keeping that card open for after 2022 because why would he give up the power to be essentially the most powerful U.S. senator in the country? It's 50-50. If he goes to Republican, it gives McConnell 51-49. And then he essentially loses power. You know, right? I mean, McConnell controls what goes on the floor. I mean, for the most part, yeah, Schumer does. He can control what goes to the floor and what doesn't. But whenever there's a party line vote, you got you got to learn a whole new donor base. You've got to learn different colleagues and strategize. You got to caucus differently. You'll still get the same old Joe Manchin, who's going to be a rhino. But think about it this way, and and ultimately, I think it comes down to Donald Trump. And hear me out. So if Manchin switches to Republican, he will automatically. El de facto. He ain't going to just be this right-wing, Trump-loving guy. Joe Manchin will automatically be a rhino. Republican in name only. He will be up there 
I mean, he already votes more conservative than Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. Okay. Uh, but he doesn't vote as conservative as Mitt Romney, according to some rankings. So he joins the Republicans. Republicans get a majority in the Senate. If he does that, he's a rhino. Is this something Donald Trump is willing to negotiate? I mean, from his position, he Donald Trump could potentially negotiate this with the guy. But like, come join our party. I will endorse you for re-election in 2024 if you run as a Republican. We know that you're hard to beat because you got the name recognition. Would that ruin the Trump brand that he that he if someone goes from Democrat to Republican, although he's a Republican rhino and Trump endorses him? Is it worth it to get the Senate currently? These are the political questions that someone like a Trump has to ask. And it just takes a phone call. And I think Donald Trump, if he had uh, less pride in him right now, I know, I, as much as I love Donald Trump, I, he probably has a mindset of, well, we can beat Manchin. If I'm Donald Trump, I make the phone call. Get the get the majority now. Let's keep it through, or at least get it shortly thereafter, 2022 say look we will endorse you in 2024 that automatically uh picks up one seat for 2024 that you don't have to worry a whole lot you don't even have, you don't have to spend money on okay because it's okay because it's about controlling what goes to the floor and what doesn't um i mean he's the only pro-life anti-abortion democrat in the senate and there's only like two U.S. congressmen on the House side. So he's a rare breed. And it's because of his constituents. So I just wanted to mention that. Mention that. And speaking of Congress, Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been ousted by a bunch of – there's like eight parties. I think we've been through this. I think uh, the term that American people don't understand is what they call forming government. If you have eight parties, let's say there's six other parties besides Republican and Democrat, you elect them all. Let's just sit, let's just make it simple math. Let's say there's ten parties. They all get elected to the House. We divide it by ten. One each party has one tenth of Congress. Well, in order to elect a speaker, you have to get to fifty percent, fifty one percent or more. So ultimately, what does that mean? You have to go and negotiate the leader of your caucus party, giving faith in him. He has to go negotiate your morals and your values. Um, with other party leaders, and you have to get like six of them to conjoin together on, hey, here's what we're going to do for legislative session. We're willing to, you know, drop this tax package difference that we have with you, or, or and we'll compromise on the gay marriage thing, or whatever. You know, I'm just giving an example. So you can form six different parties that say we are the majority. We've all reached a deal. They have a vote. They vote for a speaker, and that's part of the negotiation. Is who are you going to have a speaker? And who's going to be the majority whip? And you kind of got to work together. And it's just, I mean, and it could be the next time around. The party say, you know what? Although it worked with you this time, our constituents, like, after they like they really want this, you know, energy policy gone. So, like, that's why we're here. Because we're the energy policy, you know, party or whatever. And so we can't form a majority in, in government with you this time. So we're going to join the minority and blah 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 blah. You get the point. Well, that can in, in not in the United States in in our Congress. If that were to occur, I really don't know if you could do it mid Congress. I guess you can call vote for speaker any time. I don't know the exact rules for it, but in Israel you can. So 
They were just tired of Benjamin Netanyahu, 12 years as prime minister. He says he'll be back. And they reached this deal where this this guy, Bennett, is going to be uh, prime minister until 2023, and then he'll exchange it to the other guy to fill out the next two years. <coughs> so they're splitting the prime ministership w- between the two parties. And uh, it's fascinating because Netanyahu on his way out slammed President Biden First handling of the Middle East, and usually when you're in the position of prime minister, you're a little bit nicer. Um, but the forming of that government and the way those party structures work, I'm not going to get too much into the Middle East policy and all the stuff going on with Gaza and stuff right now. A lot of Americans, personally, and I know this sounds bad, they don't, they just don't care, right? <coughs> they just don't. So, I mean, I mean, I care, and I know you care, but the vast majority of Americans don't care. And it's overdeveloping that since this is a podcast, if I tell you now, by the time tomorrow comes, the, the whole story is going to be blown up and changed. So I'm always careful about really mentioning a whole lot about foreign policy uh, on this podcast. So anyway, the main reason I wanted to bring up the party system is, you know, within the Democrat Party, what we, we've seen this with Bill Maher. We saw this with Joe Manchin. And, and even in the Republican Party, different regions across the country are all different. Okay, so a West Virginia Democrat, when you get a Joe Manchin, is completely different than the New York City Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez Democrat. Essentially, they're two different parties. I mean, they really are. One's a pro-life Democrat. I mean, who and Joe Manchin and Bill Maher are very sort of similar. You would say, right? Like you can maybe put them under one umbrella, but you can't put them in. The socialist Ilan Omar, Bernie Sanders wing of the party, like that's a that's just a different party. Just like you would put Mitt Romney and Susan Collins on one side of the party, and then you would take Ron DeSantis and the Donald Trumps on the other side of the party. And so you see this regionally too, where something like Hawaii and Michigan Democrats are completely different. If you, if you ever go to Hawaii, I've never been, but every time I hear someone that lives in Hawaii. When I and I or at least lived there for a period of time, they always say that the Hawaiians they hate America. They just hate it. They they hate mainlanders. They hate this. They hate that. <coughs> right? Um, they think we took their land and blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, they voted to become a state, and they pretty much vote Democrat because they just want to get as much as they can out of out of the federal government. Right? Like they're all big on the welfare stuff. They and Republicans are traditionally more. Value centered, uh, traditionally more structurally centered in the history and the founding of our country, and they talk about they love America. Well, Democrats they will trash America, and that represents Hawaii, those senators. But you go to somewhere like Michigan, those Democrats they 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 believe in the Republican values, they believe in this, uh, but they get stirred up with economic things. You know, oh, we need a labor union, we need this teachers union. We how do we spend? Some of the money in our schools, they get you know, some of that structural economic stuff. And that's how they tend to vote Democrat versus someone in the South who's a yellow dog Democrat. is more about how do we trade? What's our trading policy? What are we going to trade our cotton for? Yada, yada, yada. And the same thing for the Republican Party. So in Mississippi, they're very socially conservative. They don't realize that the way they talk and the way their actions are in Mississippi, that they suck more out of welfare than anybody else. Okay, the policies of Mississippi don't really line up. Like you would think in Mississippi, sometimes when you talk to people, that they would vote 
more Democrat than Republican, but then you come to find out that they really, really value social issues like Second Amendment, abortion, their anti-gay marriage, like the big Christianity types. That they value that more than their economic policy. That they tend to vote more Republican. But then you go to a place like New Hampshire, those New Hampshire Republicans, they're kind of like, no, we're socially liberal. We're, we're all about economically conservative stuff, right? Two different people. So in an essence, you're still getting representation of the country. However, when bills are being written behind people's backs, and there's, oh, that's right. And when there's negotiations going on, you can't see how your senator's negotiating on behalf of you. you. I mean, you can see how they vote on a bill, but you can't see how they're negotiating, how much they care, how much passion they have poured into it uh, behind closed doors. You, that's just something you don't see. And you won't really ever see. I've had the pleasure and the honor of seeing this stuff happen live all the time, and it's been a tremendous amount. It's been, it's been tremendous on my, on my knowledge and the amount of times I've seen it. Um... Uh, but I just found that fascinating. And then you get somebody like a Vice President Harris, who is very – because in order to do these things, when you have six, seven, eight, ten parties, you have to be politically skilled. But then you get someone like Vice President Harris. She's not politically skilled. She has horrible political instincts. The fact that she hasn't visited the border yet is quite astonishing because even liberal medias are picking it up. Just her hold of MSNBC even asked her the question point blank. CNN starting to ask her the question. When CNN starting to ask you a question that's been constantly drum beating from conservative media for the last X amount of months, you know it's bad. And yet she doesn't get it. But you know where she did visit. Greenville, South Carolina, we got the lowest, one of the lowest death rates, highest COVID cases, lowest vaccination, fully vaccinated people. It's like 37, 39% or something like that. Uh, and she's out here trying to campaign, get the shot, man, get that poke. And you would think that in a place like this, after seeing the numbers, that her presence is not going to encourage anybody to do anything. She doesn't have good instincts. And so she's going on this tour around the south to other places similar to Greenville. And it's not going to work. She's even cracking random NASCAR jokes that nobody gets. It's just like Hillary Clinton trying to have a fake southern accent. I ain't got nobody here ways around. That's what Hillary Clinton... Uh, or, or when she's trying to do the dog bark. Look at me, I'm cool, I'm like truck... I mean that's pretty much what what VP Harris does. She's not she's not politically instincts. You know who who on the right has or on the left has political instincts? Bill Clinton and Barack Hussein O. Oh, Barack Hussein O is, does not have as good as political instincts as Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton's good because he knows when and where to kill people. Have you seen uh the, the folks they've taken out? I'm kidding, by the way. Supposedly, the you know there's rumors spreading around that the news journalist they broke the news on the on the tarmac back in 2016 is randomly dead, just like Jeffrey Epstein. I don't. We'll have to see what the what the reports come out to say. But Vice President Harris had 150 people show up for her event at the airport, while many protesters uh, and Trump loyalists showed up. There was nearly 300. So, almost double the amount of people who 
from Trump's side came to visit Vice President Harris's side. Now, keep in mind, I understand we're in South Carolina, yada, yada, yada. It's more conservative. However, how come when Donald Trump visits a left-leaning state, like, say, New Mexico, New Mexico, three, even, th- okay, when you're first newly immaculated and, and elected and inaugurated and all that stuff, that's usually when the shine and glow of your presidency, your vice presidency, is that sort of an all-time high, right? Bearing any significant congress- some, uh, s- congressional achievement or any j- achievement of any kind. That's kind of when, like, your first years when you get the most major of your policy done. Like, after this year, Biden and Harris are not going to get a whole lot done in, through Congress. I just hate to say it. Actually, I love to say it because I don't want them to pass anything. I hope they fail. So, the, so you don't have so you know Donald Trump will go around the court. I mean, even Barack Hussein, oh, when he's out there selling Obamacare, would go to some of these southern states, and he'd have tons and tons of people on his side coming out to these town hall meetings in support of him. And we, I mean, the Tea Party had. Tons and tons of people, too, lined up outside as well. But how is it that the people you beat have more people showing up to your own events to protest you than your own supporters? Usually, and typically, if you truly won, the enthusiasm would be on your side. It doesn't make any sense. And this is another reason why I refuse. I mean, even in places that Trump lost, he went to... New Mexico, New York. Remember him campaigning in downtown Chicago? People would show up. Nobody, guess I guess, cares about Vice President Harris. She doesn't give any buzz. Even Mike Pence. I've been to Mike Pence events. I used to work for Lawrence. We put them together. People would show up for that all the time. Why is there not that much buzz around Harris? Hmm. Well, the last two items here, 15% minimum tax from the G7 as President Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. the 9th visits the G7 and discusses. Uh, they're just looking into it, so this is a stupid idea. Ultimately, all the countries are going to agree to have a 15% minimum tax on corporations. So if you're a corporation, you go, okay. Well, you look around, you go, what countries don't have 15% minimum tax? Awesome. It looks like we're going to headquarter ourselves in Nigeria or Indonesia, Australia, or wherever, because we ain't going to pay here. It's it's ultimately stupid to have that discussion, and, and 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 you can't compete if everybody has the same the same rate. Also, other economic news that you find fascinating: China is the only country that grew in GDP last year, bringing another prediction of Donald John Trump. It's true. As he made that prediction multiple times last year, like if you don't reopen the economy, China's going to gain more money. They're going to gain more product. They're going to gain on us. They're going to gain on us. And now China has the biggest GDP in the world. Last year's the year they they passed this up. If we would have stuck with the 15 days, shut everything down, then reopen it, great. We all could have gone back to normal. But the problem is, Democrats didn't do that. They still got things shut down. Now our economy's suffering. There's shortages everywhere. So. So thanks, Democrats. That's all your fault. And last but not least, we'll spend some time on it here on the Texas and Arizona Border Compact Agreement. So basically, if the federal government's not going to build the wall, the states are. And the Supreme Court's already ruled that it's unconstitutional. Arizona did, 
tried this a couple of years ago or just enforcement of the wall. But Arizona and Texas are now pretty much giving the Supreme Court the middle finger and saying, meh, screw you, we're going to do it anyway. And I encourage other states like a South Carolina legislator or a North Carolina legislator or whatever that doesn't have a border, send money to Texas and say, hey, this is for the wall, appreciate it. How awesome would that be? Because if, you know, the the other part of the argument is if you're anti this idea, how come during the, vi- the, the shutdown, places like Florida, New York, they can have state troopers meet you at the borders you're coming in on, up and down the interstate and make sure and test you and screen you and make sure you don't have the virus to come into their state and same when you're getting off airplanes. But all of a sudden, it's an illegal immigrant that's not supposed to be here in this country anyway under federal law, and the federal government's not doing the job, but you're trying to stop them. I, I don't see what the difference is. One's for a legal citizen trying to come into your state legally, and the other one's illegal. I mean, and we give me a break. So Arizona and Texas are saying, yeah, we're going to build a wall. We're just going to do it, and we're going to enforce it ourselves. Our people don't like this. You even have... Huey Gomer, Democrat of Texas out there, urging Kamala Harris to come to the border wall, urging for help, and and supporting a border, I mean, a a Democrat congressman who has a district along the border is thanking Governor Abbott for doing what he's doing. Now, I thought, and we've seen this already in current election results in Texas, that Hispanics are trending more Republican. And the people on the border, if the congressman Democrat is not is out here thanking Trump or thanking Abbott, essentially thanking Trump, won't say it officially, but that's ultimately what he's doing. Trump's policies, Trump's idea of people want a safe border and the Democrats are losing ground with Hispanics and it is becoming a political whirlwind for them. And they have got to find a way. If I'm the Democrats, you've got to find a way to control it. So I, we will follow this story closely. Well, that ha- that's about it for folks. We hope you have a good weekend. Or a good week and weekend. We'll see you next week. And don't forget, while you're out and about, talking to folks, don't forget to voice your conscience. Don't be afraid to say what your opinion and thoughts are. Screw the world culture. Be yourself. See y'all soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.